Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Thursday. Glad you are with us. Hope all is going well in your world. During the course of the broadcast today, of course, we will talk about the big debate. Was it a big debate, actually? We'll talk about it. Get your thoughts as well. We'll have a number of observations about how this one went down, the winners, the losers, some of the interesting moments coming up in just a few minutes. Also, we'll come closer to home and talk about fentanyl. I'm not sure we can possibly in any way overstate the danger posed by fentanyl. I know several people whose lives have been forever changed, tragically, by the loss of someone dear because of this drug. We have a fresh warning here on the local front from police very concerned about your children. And you should be as well, based on one of the things that's happening on the street right now. We'll also discuss the issue of drugs in general, the trend of drugs in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. It's not good news. What is happening to our children? I think an encouraging poll has been released. Well, it's somewhat encouraging. As it relates to the ongoing issue between Israel and Hamas, most Americans seem to be on the right page with this one. We'll tell you what this polling information shows. We also have Therapeutic Thursday. This is something that I really believe can be life-changing for many of us. I continue to see on social media just so much garbage in the spiritual realm. And I'm not talking about the stuff in the world. I mean, I expect people who are not Christians to be... Uh, I I don't have expectations about promoting godliness and promoting the gospel. I have profound concerns about so many people promoting something they believe to be gospel that is not gospel at all. Dr. Steve Crosby has an item that definitely sets apart, makes a very healthy distinction between the message of the gospel and what is not the message of the gospel. We will get to that during the course of the broadcast today. I want to begin, maybe this is something that could be life-changing for you. I'm not here to endorse any particular methodology that anyone may adopt. I do know And you'll hear in the course of this story how significant this problem is in America. I'm talking about obesity. We've got to do something. I'm a all-of-the-above person. You know, if it's diet, exercise, prescription medications that have proven to be effective, I'm all for it. Whatever works and whatever works for you. But... Something has to be a game changer here to move us in a direction away from the profound levels of obesity in this country. Today has a story about a newly FDA-approved weight loss drug. It's called ZepBound, describing this as something that may be the most effective ever. This was approved yesterday by the FDA. New weight loss drug from Eli Lilly, shown in clinical trials to help people lose up to 52 pounds in 16 months. That's pretty good. 52 pounds in 16 months. I mean, I'm thinking now, what would that put me down to? 
Zepbound, the latest entrance in the field of powerful new drugs. The FDA approving this drug for adults with obesity or who are overweight with at least one weight-related condition. In the United States, listen to this stat. Four in ten adults have obesity. Four in ten. That's a big deal. Zepbound, part of a class of drugs called GLP-1 agonists, which mimic a hormone that helps reduce food intake and appetite. However, Zepbound also imitates a second hormone called GIP, which along with reducing appetite may also improve how the body breaks down sugar and fat. Sounds good. In a phase three clinical trial, the new injectable, that part doesn't sound appealing at all, injectable led to an average weight loss of 22.5% or about 52 pounds, surpassing all currently available weight loss medications on the market. The participants in the study had obesity or overweight with at least one weight-related condition. Dr. Christopher McGowan, a gastroenterologist who runs a weight loss clinic in Cary, North Carolina, said this is the most effective form of pharmaceutical obesity treatment ever. Adding the weight loss seen from the medication is approaching the weight loss seen with bariatric surgery. That is a big deal. Um, yes, it is. When it comes to whether a patient should choose between Lilly's new drug and Wagovi, McGowan said the key factors to consider are insurance coverage and the patient's individual response to each treatment. When I'm talking to a patient, he says I'm going to discuss both of them. The new drug, like others in its class, comes with side effects, including gastrointestinal problems. Ugh. Doesn't sound too appealing. Dr. Daniela Hurtado Andrade, an endro, endocrinologist in the Mayo Clinic, said while gastrointestinal issues are very common with these medications, most of the side effects will not affect a person's quality of life. Well, that's certainly good to hear. Adding, I've had to stop the medications only on very rare occasions, but the reality is the majority of patients will be able to find a dose that is not causing significant side effects. To mitigate side effects, doctors recommend starting patients on a lower dose of the medication and incrementally raising it over a few weeks. In general, they raise the dose every four weeks. But I've had patients who've had to stay on the lowest for 12 weeks, then go up and stay on the second dose another 12 weeks. Alexis Mitchell, 30-year-old from right here in Charlotte, had been overweight for most of her 20s. It was only last year, following a health scare linked to high blood pressure and pre-diabetes, her doctor recommended Manjaro off-label for weight loss. She started taking a 2 milligram weekly dose, gradually increased to 15 milligrams, saw results immediately. Saying for me, this was a game changer. Like, you need to change your life around right now. There are no more games. Common side effects here, nausea, constipation, migraine, stomach pain, and body aches. But the benefits, she said, have made the discomfort worthwhile. The weight loss outweighs the side effects 100% for me. I'm down. Are you ready for this? This is mind-boggling. Alexis Mitchell from right here in Charlotte. I'm down 123 pounds in a year saying she could not have done it without Manjaro. One of the other drugs, this one by Lily. 123 pounds. I mean, I find this encouraging. I don't know about you, but I... And I've just recognized this in the past few years, the level of empathy that I have toward people. And I especially for people who are morbidly obese. I've just often wondered how must it feel to feel like trying to do anything is futile. This is especially good news for people like that. 
maybe you, you're one of those people. I'd encourage you, go see a doctor. Talk about the possibility of using one of these medications. If nothing else has worked, go for it. Don't wait any longer. Four in ten adults have obesity, and as you well know, this comes with other serious medical issues. And if you're needing motivation, let me be your motivation today. Go do something about it, especially if you're an extreme case. Go get started on something. Make today a game changer. And let me know what happens. on the Vince Coakley radio program on this Thursday. If you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number is 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Quick thing, before we go to a call, the other day I asked you to pray for some friends of mine, Jeff and Denise. And I want to give you an update. For those of you who have prayed, I want to thank you. I'll just share a little bit of the social media post from my friends talking about the difficult week that they have had. Our awesome God has carried us through. In the medical clearance process for Jeff's knee surgery, the test discovered 2.5 of his three main arteries in his heart were blocked. Four emergency rooms, two ambulance rides later, all on Monday. He had two stents placed yesterday. The surgeon, very pleased with the results. Jeff is feeling great this morning, eager to get home. We're rejoicing that as these events unfolded, he's been given excellent care each step of the way. He did not have to have bypass surgery. And for each of you that stood with us and lifted our arms while we were weak, thank you. Thank you, God, and thank each of you. So that's an update. And I want to, again, thank those of you who prayed, because I know there are people who immediately do that when I request such let's go out to a call here in charlotte to jerry good morning jerry good morning vince how are you doing well sir i was an overweight teacher who drove uber and wound up looking at what i was eating and every time i filled up for gas i always got a little package of cookies to eat just just to help ease the stress of everything I looked back and I decided I was depressed, and I was depressed because I wasn't doing anything. So when I remembered my history when I was active in my early 20s, I was happy. So I decided I'd go out and find another job besides Uber, and I became a soccer official. And wow. between Thursday and Sunday, I was running about 25 miles a day, or 25 miles that weekend. And I wound up losing about 15 to 20 pounds. Hmm. Just that by is, making extra money, there's a ref. That is awesome. So now you know, I'm happier. That is pretty awesome. You know, how much activity has to do with this is, you know, I, I, it's, it's very significant because some of this is physical. The other part of this is mental, isn't it? Yes, it is. You have to figure out why you're overeating. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Depression, food does not the answer, apparently. Amen to that. Boy, I am thankful by God's grace that, um, yeah, he has spared me in that regard. I so appreciate you calling and sharing that story. I have a strong feeling that's going to encourage someone today, Jerry, and uh, look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Isn't that cool? Sometimes you gotta you got to reach a point where you've just had enough. And you're not going to just keep going through the motions. Okay, it's another day. I I find that can be so easy to do, just to get stuck, to get stuck in a rut at a point where you just have a hard time getting traction to make a change. So isn't that encouraging? See, I, I hope out there right now there's at least one person You've got some inspiration to do something extraordinary and make a life change that will not just impact you, but people around you as well. Because we all influence people in some way. I want to go through some headlines before we go to break. How did this segment go so quickly? 
Am I missing something here? <laughs> I want to uh, first go to headlines, the major headlines from Drudge relating to last night's debate and the ongoing issue in the Middle East, beginning with the Middle East and related issues. Mass brawl outside Godot's Hamas attack screening. New York City hate crimes against Jews surge. Fierce street-by-street -street combat rages in Gaza City. Gutter works for the release of hostages. Israel demands action after journalists reportedly joined the massacre. Who? U.S. forces under fire as America slides toward the brink. And tensions high as Germany marks the anniversary of the Nazi pogrom. On the debates, Miami fight. DeSantis and Haley battle. And empty seats at the Trump rally. And Drudge has done a little poll on the debate. Who won the debate last night? That is the question. Hmm. It is interesting to see who the Drudge viewers believe won this contest. We'll talk about that much more as we continue. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. How was that debate yesterday evening? Did you watch? What were your thoughts? And I'm very curious as these debates continue. We're on number three now. Are these conversations changing anyone's minds? I'm very curious about that. Or are we pretty much just kind of running in place? For starters, let's listen to a compilation. I think this one is from Politico. This is a compilation of some of the debate highlights from yesterday evening. Listen up. Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. For everybody that's protesting on these college campuses in favor of Hamas, let me remind you something. Hamas said death to Israel and death to America. They hate and would kill you too. Are you persuaded by President Zelensky's urgent new plea? Where do you stand on more funding? I'm absolutely unpersuaded. And I'm actually enjoying watching the Ukraine hawks quietly, delicately tiptoe back from their position as this thing has unwound into a disaster. And so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil, don't buy it. Putin and President Xi are salivating at the thought that someone like that could become president. No, I don't think we should give them cash. I think we should give them the equipment and the ammunition to win. This is not a choice. This is the price we pay for being the leaders of the free world. And the fact is, this alliance is not just with Russia and China. Any suggestion by Zelensky or anyone else that we should, that we're gonna eventually have US troops there, I can tell the American people when I'm president, that will not happen. If we can eliminate TikTok, that is a first step. But it's not just TikTok. They're literally stealing our IP to compete against us. My administration, we stopped that day one. TikTok is not only spyware, it is polluting the minds of American young people. And this is one of the big failings among many of the Trump administration. He talked tough about TikTok. I heard him do it many times. But when it came down to it, he did not ban them when he could have and should have. For $10 billion, we could close our southern border. For an additional $5 billion, we could use the currently available military technology to surveil our southern border. If someone in the drug cartels is sneaking fentanyl across the border when I'm president, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to shoot them stone cold dead. One of the first things that we have to do is really focus on mental health and addiction centers. Someone who doesn't get care for mental health falls into addiction. And and we owe it to them to treat it like the cancer that it is. If you put that fentanyl in a Big Mac, we would not call that an overdose. You'd call it what it is. It's closer to bioterrorism. 
And I say that because as it uniquely relates to this crisis, that does warrant more aggressive means to deal with it. Abortion rights supporters saw victories in Ohio and Virginia. How do you see the path forward for Republicans on this issue? I think of all the stuff that's happened to the pro-life cause, uh, they have been caught flat-footed on these referenda, and they have been losing. But let's just be clear. The Democrats have taken a position they will not identify the point at which there should be any protection all the way up until birth. That is wrong, and we cannot stand for that. Be honest. It's going to take 60 Senate votes, a majority of the House, and a president to sign it. So no, we haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. No Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's find consensus. Hmm, let's find consensus. There are a number of issues addressed there. If I was following correctly, the issue of Republicans losing over and over again. We've talked about that on this program. Ukraine funding, TikTok, the border and fentanyl, the shootings, mass shootings we've been dealing with and mental health issues and abortion. An issue that seems to be dogging Republicans election after election. What are your thoughts? Who really grabbed your attention? Was your mind changed at all by anything that you heard yesterday evening? One of the other interesting moments that took place on the subject of TikTok, by the way, was a little exchange between Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> In fact, let me find the message here from Chris. This was kind of amusing. He sent this a few minutes ago. I just knew you would start. Well, wait a second. I've got the wrong one. I thought for a moment we were going to have another enactment of Chris Rock and Will Smith when Nikki Haley made her comments. You'll understand what he means when you listen to this exchange. Here, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley coming in to very briefly make a pretty strong comment about Vivek. Listen. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. The easy gone. answer is actually oh. to say that we're just going to ban one app. We got to go further. Did you hear what she said? You're just scum. Wow. Pretty strong language there from Nikki Haley. How did that go over for you? And I think it's pretty interesting as Vivek Ramaswamy brings up Nikki Haley's daughter. The audience did not like that at all. They thought this was totally out of place. You know, this is just my observation. I think Vivek, the more I see him, he's coming across as desperate. He's just trying to get in something somewhere, find his way into the top tier. He's trying to make a path, and I don't think he's quite sure how to do it, which leads to very awkward exchanges like that one. That, in my view, was a big blunder, not the direction to go. You end up getting called scum. And in that moment, I think a lot of people in the audience would agree. You're just the easy scum. answer. <laughs> You're just scum. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. You're just scum. Way too funny. And as I shared, the social media post from Chris saying this sounded like a reenactment of Chris Rock and Will Smith. Keep my daughter's name out of your mouth. Yeah. Very similar, isn't it? Some interesting observations from a couple of sources that we'll get to. First... Axios. 
Referring to simmering feuds, turning intensely personal at the third GOP presidential debate. These five candidates sparring over a chance to lead a party still reeling from the latest in a series of election setbacks. Call it desperation mode. Every candidate on stage keenly aware former President Trump, who held a counter-programming rally down the road, is on a glide path to renomination, beginning with the Iowa caucuses coming up in 67 days. Can you believe that? We're that close. Here are the five takeaways from Axios. Number one was what you just heard. Vivek Ramaswamy's attention-grabbing gamble. The breakout candidate from the early months of the campaign did everything he could to salvage his fading star power, fulfilling a pre-debate promise to ABC to be unhinged. That's a weird thing to say about yourself. In his opening answer, Ramaswamy attacked debate moderator Kristen Welker, saying the panel should be replaced by Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk, and claiming the 2016 and 2020 elections were rigged by the media and demanded Republican National Committee Chair Rona McDaniel resign. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) By the end of the night, the polarizing entrepreneur had called Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky an anti-democratic comedian in cargo pants. Proposed building a wall on the U.S.-Canada border and suggested President Biden might be replaced by Michelle Obama. Alrighty. Number two, the knives out for Haley. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley took incoming fire from Ron DeSantis, whose claims that this is a two-person race between him and Trump no longer look credible given Haley's recent polling strength. Attacking her hawkish foreign policy positions. Ramaswamy referring to Haley as Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. (laughs) A line that drew audible gasps from the packed Miami press room. Haley later later clapping back their five-inch heels. And I don't wear them unless you can run in them. (laughs) It's also Haley who stole the most memorable moment of the night by calling Ramaswamy scum for bringing up her daughter during the exchange about TikTok, which you just heard. Number three, abortion dividing the debate stage. Ramaswamy excoriating Republicans as a party of losers over their abortion-related defeats in Tuesday's elections. DeSantis and Senator Tim Scott doubled down on their anti-abortion credentials. Haley stressed the need to find consensus on the issue, keeping her position vague and appealing for compassion. As much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice, and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. What a piece of crap. I'm not talking about her, but I'm talking about this perspective. This is, why I don't, this is what I don't like about Nikki Haley. It's politician Haley, and it concerns me. You either believe in life or you don't believe in life, and, and I... You know, I don't think anybody, I'm not judging pro-choice people. I'm judging pro-choice behavior. There's a difference. So don't try to come across as sanctimonious or whatever and, oh, I'm one of those nice people. No, what you are is a sellout. Yes, I just said it. I don't trust her. I'm just saying, I really don't trust her. Unity on Israel, number four, in a debate dominated by foreign policy, all five candidates pledged support for Israel, most attempting to outflank the other with vivid descriptions of the need to obliterate Hamas. The condemnation of pro-Palestinian protests, the absence of any mention of the humanitarian crisis in Gaza could serve as a wake-up call to progressive critics of Biden, many of whom have vowed not to support the president in 2024 over his refusal to call for a ceasefire. Number five, Trump's victory in absentia. While the Republican front runner faced some criticism, the opening minutes of the debate, his raucous rally 10 miles away, vindicated the decision to allow his rivals to spend the night battling for second place. Supporters showed up as early as 6 a.m. for the evening rally, with a crowd delighted in Trump's monologue and paid little attention to his gaffes about the population of North Korea and Hungary's non-existent border with Russia. The bottom line, DeSantis benefited from home field advantage, drawing cheers when he recalled his landslide re-election in Florida a year ago, 
Can you believe that's been a year already? He also has new momentum after earning a rare endorsement from Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds this week. That along with Haley's strong performance, Ramaswamy's avowed role as an insurgent, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's commitment to contesting the New Hampshire primary virtually ensures the GOP field will not consolidate to the degree necessary to stop Trump. That's really the bottom line. Nobody has the votes. They've not been able to put that coalition together to take out Trump. And it's questionable whether that will ever, ever happen. We also have another perspective on winners and losers. We'll get to that coming up in the next hour. Also, some really good observations. My good friend Steve Dace was actually there for the debate last night. And I thought he had some very insightful things to share. We will communicate those to you. Closer to home, we're going to talk about drugs. Two stories about drugs. One of them, fentanyl. The warning coming from police here in Charlotte. The other, about what's happening in our schools. The significant increase in drug activity at school. But before we get there, we have Therapeutic Thursday. We'll get to that and much more as we continue our broadcast of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Right now, as we approach the top of the hour, we'll take a break for news. Stay with us. Number two of the Vince Coakley radio program still to come. We have Therapeutic Thursday. But first, let's go out to a call. This is Steve out of Churville. Did I say that correctly, Steve? Just having a little fun here. Is Steve there? Apparently, we have our phone issue again. You feel free to call back because there'll be an opportunity to... Go on to the subject because we have yet more content on this. We'll talk about the winners and losers from the third Republican debate. And by the way, Bernie, you are directed to remind me to share polling information. The Drudge poll from last night before I forget, because with my ADHD mind, there's no telling whether I will remember or not. It's really that bad. Let's get to Therapeutic Thursday. This one's called Silent Saturday by my good friend, Dr. Steve Crosby. You know, I, just as a uh, preface to what I share here, need to communicate to you, a lot of what I see out there really amounts to a little more, and this is in the Christian realm, little more than motivational speeches. There is no gospel in many cases. There is selectively picking Bible verses out to make people feel good being the same people they were before. There's no real transformation, no change, no cross. It's just all about making people feel good and feel better about themselves, which is many times not what they need. Enough. Let me get straight to Steve's content. For the modern Western evangelical, the cross is a temporary setback. Wow. Jesus suffers as a loser to secure our souls for heaven. But in the resurrection, he's really the winner. And in the second coming, according to futurist literalists, he's going to stick it to his enemies and prove to the world he really is a winner through the use of holy violence and rivers of blood. I know this is oversimplified, but honestly, this is the popular level evangelical gospel in a nutshell. The resurrection annuls the cross. In so doing, it keeps their gospel, I can't call it mine, 
which is no gospel at all, enmeshed in the violent and sacrificial human religious structures of the world systems of which it's supposed to be an alternative. The cross is the presence of God in absence, something in which many Christians, former Christians, disillusioned Christians, angry ex-Christians never learned along the way. Where is God? He didn't show up for me. It doesn't work. It's all a lie. I can't blame folks. Evangelicalism doesn't teach how to exist in cruciform reality. To This is a word a lot of people aren't familiar with. But this is really uh, to explain it very simply. The cross isn't just for Jesus. It's for believers. It's a way of life where the old man is put to death so that new life can flow through us. And so this ongoing process of things being put to death, I've heard one person describe this so well. He said, in the life of the believer, you have many, many funerals. That's such a good description of what takes place. The old man passing away, all things becoming new, and it's not just a one-time event, it's an ongoing process. He continues, their God is a heavenly cabana boy whose job it is to guarantee you the good life if you just fulfill your end of things with faith and obedience. Cabana boy. <laughs> the cross overcomes holy violence non-violently while not overturning the violent systems of this world until his return. A new cosmos and new humanity exist in the presence of his enemies, not their absence or removal. This is really important because the simplicity of what so many people, and this is what I grew up for mostly hearing, you know, God's going to ultimately come and he's going to destroy all the bad people and everything's going to be happily ever after. What's missing from most of what I've heard most of my life? What happens in the here and now? Well, in the here and now, the Father wants to show off his new creation. He wants a people to demonstrate new life, a new order. That's what he'd like to do. I can think of innumerable circumstances of emotional, mental, relational problems in believers that could be avoided or healed if people were taught about the God who is present in absence, the cross, and how to exist and process life in the silent darkness of Saturday. Oh my goodness, that's powerful. See, this is where the rubber hits the road. It's in our trials. It's the process God uses to transform us, which many people are not prepared for because most, much of what is taught in Christian world, it goes counter to this whole idea of the cross. He continues, Christians celebrate Good Friday. Hold on. We will be winners. Just hold on. And Resurrection Sunday. See, told you we were winners, but no teaching on discipleship. No practical helps. No fraternity, no community on silent Saturday when nothing is happening and you're surrounded by enveloping darkness that crushes the mind, the emotions, the soul and body. See, this is this is where the challenge of our lives is, isn't it? It's in that time between Friday and Sunday. What is going on there? It's a path that tragically many walk alone. Some survive, some don't. A culture whose expression of Christianity is rooted in unbridled privacy and individuality is not set up well for walking with someone who's made it through Saturday and understands that resurrection does not annul the cross, but empowers you to live in it. It takes courage to live faithfully in the dark. Oh my goodness, yes. And he ends with these proclamations. And these are directly from Paul. Oh, that I, one, might know him in the power of his resurrection. Two, the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't hear many suffering, any, many messages about that, do you? Being made conformable to his death. 
Four, that I might experience the resurrection. Five, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection. Six, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Seven, to be made conformable to his death. Eight, that I might experience the resurrection. The dialectic cycle of the cross. Apply, rinse, repeat all the days of one's life. And I've heard it expressed this way. In the life of a genuine believer, a series of deaths, burials, and resurrections. And they don't feel good, the death and burial parts. They don't. And some motivational messages and claiming some promises that don't, don't have anything to do with your life really don't get to the heart of what God really wants to do most of the time. And that can be a place that feels very dark at times. But then, what comes out on the other side? Life. Resurrection. I thought this would be inspirational, <laughs> as odd as it sounds. It really is. And I, I'm not speaking to those who are content with the feel-good gospel of God is here as my cabana boy. And it really speaks to those people who know the challenge of isolation, suffering, challenge. And you need to be reminded of what God is up to. He's doing something powerful in you during those times. That's what's happening on Silent Saturday. So my encouragement to you, keep on keeping on. And do not be deterred. Do not be deterred at all. Still to come on the broadcast, we will talk about some things happening in the entertainment world. Also, wrap up our coverage of debate number three. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program, developing story out of the Middle East. Israel reporting this morning, they will implement four-hour pauses in fighting in areas of the northern Gaza Strip every day. This word comes from the White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. An announcement would be made three hours before the pauses. The Israeli military told the U.S. there would be no military operations in the areas involved during the pauses. Kirby saying we remain concerned Hamas will discourage or prevent civilians from fleeing the same time when encouraging people to leave. It's critical, absolutely vital, that humanitarian supplies and assistance are expanded in the areas where people are moving, in this case, southern Gaza. Again, four-hour pauses in fighting to be implemented. This new development, new development, in the ongoing situation in the Middle East. Since we've already gone there, it would also be interesting, I'm sure you would find, a new poll that was released yesterday by Rasmussen shows over two-thirds of likely U.S. voters oppose a ceasefire against the Palestinian terror group Hamas in Gaza. Oppose. And a survey of 995 respondents the poll asked Benjamin Netanyahu, as Prime Minister of Israel, in a speech this week, Netanyahu said calls for a ceasefire or calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism. This will not happen. Do you agree or disagree? In response, 49% strongly agree. 19 somewhat agree. 11 somewhat disagree. 10 strongly disagree. 10% not sure. In total, 68% agreed. I'm encouraged that this is a strong majority of Americans standing behind the state of Israel in their attempts to get this situation under control. That is definitely a good thing. Let's go out to a call from Jackie in Charlotte. Good morning, Jackie. 
Hey, Vince, how you doing? I haven't talked to you for a while, man, but uh, I flipped on the radio and got in the car a few minutes ago. I thought I was listening to the Joel Olstein Network. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, that's and quick, that's quickly, definitely I funny. Said, no, this is Vince Coakley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you corrected that. I, I thought I was going to lose my lunch before I eat it. Hey, man, but I, I want to make a statement regarding religion. Isn't the beauty of being human is the fact that we all get to find God in our own way? I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, and, and whether we find that in a, in, a, in a set of religious beliefs or religious doctrine and rules, I mean, it, it's up to the individual. I say all the time that I wouldn't want to live in a world, Vince, where everybody was a Christian, and apparently God feels the same way. Uh, because, you know, they're different religions, and, and God God had, if, if you believe in God and, 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 and that He controls everything, I mean, He had something to do with these other religions, and He uh, continues to allow them to exist. And, so, and that Christianity is not the oldest religion anyway. So here's so my question for you. I guess here's, yes, my so. on, here's my only concern for you, Jackie, is that we as human beings, um, I, I heard this years ago, and I firmly believe this, God created us in his image. One of our big temptations as human beings is to try to return the favor. But, 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 Re- hold on a second. Hold on just a second, Jackie. And the danger is we try to create God in our image because we feel a, a certain way. We want to, we think, oh, well, God must feel this way too. And I I just think there I, I would put up a big caution sign before I'd go down the road. That's all I'm saying to you, Jackie. I'm not trying to be contentious. Guess, yeah. My my question would be there, Vince, when you say God's image, what is God's image? Okay, that's a great conversation. That would be a great conversation for you and I to have over coffee or lunch or something like that, as opposed to that extensive conversation it's not the kind of thing i would do here but i know and i, I, I would love to get you man i left there, my number and i would love to you know, i met you in person a long time ago yeah. and i would love to meet you again and, and sit down and have lunch and talk about some of these things Here's, because yeah go ahead no i was just going to say to you that that part of this is that uh it's just weird to me and i, I this is where i am that we accept all of these um, very, uh, dare I say it, dogmatic things in, you know, as it relates to mathematics and science. And I'm just saying from a standpoint of logic, things that are contradictory cannot all be true at the same time. I mean that, uh, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on anybody by saying this, but my God of mercy and grace cannot be the same God as the one who gets angry very quickly and wants to wipe people out and kill people. They can't be the same that. they can't be the same person. So somewhere along the line, the question has to be how do we identify who the real one is? That's my question. That, and, that's a great question, Vince. Yes. Because, because because there are other people who are just as dogmatic about their beliefs as you are about your beliefs. And you have to understand they've been around for those beliefs have been around for centuries. Also, absolutely, Christianity was not the is not the first religion. Here's my here's the point I would make to answer that question: the foundational relationship. And one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if you would would have read this or would love to read it, is Hebrews eleven. I love Hebrews eleven because that to me is the story that connects the entire history of humanity to one faith, one relationship of faith beginning. And and, and what's cool about this is that this transcends, you know, the, whether it's the trappings of Judaism or whether it's Christianity, the same strand is there the entire time. And that's what I believe is so important. So it's not a matter of of you know this group over here you know has been around this long the, yeah the, the it goes back to the beginning yeah that's but, the key but, thing but, but think about but think about this hebrews old testament right that that's the jewish bible right that's the jewish Torah. exactly so if christ had never come along let's let's just presume if christ had never come along that means you'd be jewish right 
That's if see, and never, and if, and your key if word. Never, if, if Christ had never happened, would you would you consider yourself to have? Here, here's the key thing to keep in mind. Jewish. I'm going to blow your mind for a little bit. The the <laughs> challenge with your question is that the question is inaccurate because Christ has always been here, and the beauty of the gospel is in the fact that Christ has always been there from the very beginning. The revelation of Christ to the world did not happen until the first century. So there's a big difference here between his presence and reality and his revelation. So but, but why but, but why wasn't that scripture revealed to other peoples? Why wasn't it revealed to the Hindus and the Buddhists? I mean, that's 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 here's. That's, well, let me let me just biblical, say this: Old Testament is Old Testament is Jewish biblical history. Vince, it's let Jewish. Me, let me give you. Uh, let me just say this to you. For one, uh, one of the things I've been reminded of, and and I think it's challenging for us as Americans, especially because we we have a limited view and understanding of this. Christianity did not begin in America, as you well know. It started. Not. It started in parts of the world where, uh, where now Christianity is not even present in significant numbers. So Absolutely. a lot of a lot of those early churches don't exist anymore, and and I think that's significant because uh, it's not that it was never there. It's that the message was there at one time and was rejected. So, uh, well, 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 part of it also, part of it also, Vince, is that Western Europeans hijacked Christianity. Oh gosh, please don't get me started on Jackie. You and I would, we could really uh, beat that one really well because my, I'm I and you, and I think you know this. I'm heartbroken by that. What yeah, the West, what the Western world has done to Christianity is it's an abomination i mean ended, i i can't argue ended, with you on this we, we ended up we, we ended up with a depiction of jesus that looks like a hollywood movie star oh, gosh that rather than looking more like vince coakley <laughs> <laughs> hey jackie you don't want jesus to look like vince coakley nobody should be should nobody should go through that curse ever uh oh, your older, I, in your older pictures you were pretty good looking guy <laughs> listen to you hey i uh I'm going to put you on hold, Jackie, to uh, refresh and get your information so we can follow up our conversation from some time ago, I suppose. Always enjoy good conversation like this. That's what we do here in the Vince Coakley Radio Program. While we've uh, apparently gotten some things brewing here by the conversation right before the break, a number of you uh, wanting to talk and Hey, that takes priority to me, just conversation over some of the other things that we will delve into as time permits. Let's go first out to Ryan in Charlotte. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Vince. Always, always good to talk. I don't, we, we don't talk as much as sometimes, but I'm always listening usually. But when it's, when it's religion conversation, religious talk, I have to call them because you, you know how strong my faith is, and you and I have had some talks about that before. But um, what, what, I, what I wanted to say is we have to be careful sometimes. We we think a lot of things are from God, and we'll say, I, I feel like God is telling me to, or God is telling us to do this back. I had a friend, I just wanted to share, I had a friend last week, actually, as a matter of fact, who met who met, who met a girl. Like, he, my, my friend's single, and he, he met a girl. Uh-oh, this sounds bad me, already. It, 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 well, it, it, it is. It's going to get juicy in a second, but he, he met... He met a girl last week, and 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 he and the girl come. This this girl comes up, and he and he knew about it. this girl was actually married. And, 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 no, and friend, no, and, and, no. Well, well, no, but my friend, my friend was telling me he was like, I feel like this, this is this is this is her. This is from God. You know, God sent me her. And I look and I looked at him funny. I gave him this weird look for about five minutes, and he finally says to me, he goes. Why are you looking at me so weird? And I, and, and I said, I love you to death, bro. I said, but are you stupid or something? I was like, God, God. I, I, I said, I said, I said, God. I said, the Lord is never going to send you somebody else's husband or wife. I'm, oh I, I, I'm like, that's not from God. I was like, I know you feel like it, but it's not. My, my point is, you know, oh, it, it's a lot of times we always feel like something is from God, but. If you really want to know if it's from God or not, just read the word. You know, like just just read His own word. He he has it spelled out for us. If it if it's really from Him, 
then it's not going to be something that he's against or something that he makes it clear you cannot do, adultery or this and that. If it's really from God, just look at the Word and see if it's something that he approves of. And and, and we can save ourselves a lot. People who are like, we got to go wipe these countries out or wipe these people out. I got to go kill this person. It says, thou shall not kill, and it says, vengeance is mine, I shall repay. So if you ever, if you ever I, I have to tell my, I have to remind myself a lot, too, when I get upset, you know, if, 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 if it's something that God wants us to do or not do it, you know, just look at his word. He has it spelled out so plainly for us. If it's really him talking to us or sending us somebody, you know, you know, you know he's got to spell it. That's how you know if it's really from him or not. I looked at my friend and I said, are you stupid or something? He's never going to send you somebody else's husband or wife. And then yeah. my friend actually thought about it, and yeah, they no longer talk now, but he was like, man, I was getting ready to make a big mistake because I thought it was from God. I was like, just read his words. He, he, t- he tells you right there. And you know what's so important? I appreciate you sharing the story, Ryan, because you know this as well as I do. It's so important to have people in our lives who are going to speak truth to us and challenge us at the right times when our feelings and our emotions are going to tell us one thing and they're going to bring us back to reality and say, um, excuse me, <laughs> are you on, what I say to people is, are you on crack? <laughs> That's my line that I use to people when it's something like that. But uh, Ryan, uh, like always, hey, thanks for being a faithful friend. You keep on keep on let's go uh, next i believe we have time to go out to gary gary you have about a minute here take it away are you there gary apparently we have issues with that line so let's go on to give a try here in charlotte to earl earl you have about a minute okay just real quick i want to say to all these people that are demonstrating and and supporting Hamas, how would they feel if the Mexican cartel came over the southern border into Texas, started beheading, killing women, children, slaughtering people, took a bunch of them captive? Would they still, would they be supporting the Mexican cartel because they're oppressed? That's my point. (laughs) And, you know, what if it happened here? And Earl, then we'd have people calling for a ceasefire. You know, that's the first thing. Let's have a ceasefire. It's kind of silly, isn't it? When you think about it and you understand. See, people a lot of times have some great theoretical ideas, Earl, until you apply them to their own country, their own lives, and their own homes. And And all of a sudden, it's a very different story, isn't it? Totally different story. I very much appreciate your call there, Earl. And lest anybody get anything twisted, it's kind of, some may say, well, okay, there's a contradiction. Here you were just talking about following the gospel and loving people and not killing people. And this is where a very important distinction needs to be made. I'll, I'll make this very clear between the state and the church. And this is why the church has to be very, very careful getting into matters of the state. And I'm not talking about separating church and state. I'm talking about keeping church separate from state. There's a big difference here. But here's the point I want to make. It's one thing for a government to go after to go after terrorists to provide security for its citizens. its That's the responsibility of government. But at the same time, I'm concerned about any believer. I don't care who you are who is quick on the trigger and wants to kill people. See, there's a big difference for doing things that might be necessary and doing something because you really have a heart that's dark. And that's something only you can examine and ask yourself, what's, what's in me? What is in me? Is my heart completely redemptive no matter what? My hope and my heart is redemptive. And if ever in a situation where self-defense is involved, my heart's broken for what I may have to do. But if you're thinking, you know, you're G.I. Joe and you're going to, you know, yeah, I want to go kill people. Uh, yeah, that's something. <laughs> that's a totally different ballgame. I hope that is helpful. 
All right, let's see how quickly I can race through some of this content. Some I'm just going to throw out here. It ain't going to happen. I do want to share Steve Dace's observations from last night. He was at the GOP debate. He said, I'm going to do something different. By now, a lot of people much smarter than me have already given their debate thoughts and grades. So what I want to do is give you my thoughts of what you may have missed from inside the auditorium instead. See, I think this is a very different perspective being there. One, I was seated right between the wives of Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. So I had one of the best seats in the house to truly get a feel for the room. Two, Ron's opening and closing statements were the biggest applause lines he's received. He's really approved, improved during the course of this campaign in crafting a message narrative. He's always been excellent on policy. Three, Vivek then captured the audience with his masterful turn on the media opening, specifically the NBC family of networks for pushing outright lies like Russian collusion. However, the audience really turned on him during the TikTok conversation when he talked about Nikki Haley's daughter. That was by far the most negative the audience was the entire evening. I had no idea Haley called him scum until after. You couldn't hear that in here. The blowback against Vivek was so loud. Four, DeSantis and Vivek were chummy and chatted during each break. Ditto for Haley and Christie. Isn't that interesting? Scott was off on his own all night long. Isn't that interesting as well? Five, during the debate off camera, Haley and Christie frequently looked at each other with eye rolls and shrugs at Vivek and DeSantis. The first time Vivek attacked Haley, she and Christie looked at each other like this bleeping guy. Haley was clearly shook at one point by Vivek's hammering. See, this is another thing that makes me very leery of Nikki Haley. That she is that chummy with Chris Christie. Six, in terms of substance, I thought there were these were the best moderators that we've had yet. There were key issues unaddressed, but nothing was silly. This was a mostly adult conversation. Everyone had adequate time to discuss. They also kept it mostly clear of petty back and forths. Seven, Scott oddly stood off to the corner of his podium most of the night, like he was threatening to walk out onto the stage. At one point, he drifted so far he was off mic. Other times he wandered so much I thought Vivek was going to need to call for a fair catch. Not sure how it played on TV. But Scott and his posture and cadence were just odd. Eight, sadly, the loudest applause line that Haley received all night was when she gave the same loser answer on baby killing every GOP loser has ever given and never works. Just like it didn't work again in Virginia Tuesday night. There is no coming together with baby killers. The Stephen Douglas approach never works, but the party of Lincoln seemingly refuses to learn this lesson. All that messaging does is diminish your own pro-life base while gaining nothing from the other side. As one conservative leader sarcastically said to me after the debate about Haley, that was maybe the most eloquent pro-choice position I've ever heard. I think those are very insightful remarks from my good friend Steve Dace on last night's debate keeping the pace going here i told you we would talk about the drudge poll on who won the third republican debate at the very bottom this should not be a surprise based on steve's observations with three percent by the way the top voter vote getter in this poll has 29,882 votes so we're talking about a lot of people this looks like over nearly 50,000 people voted in this online poll. 3% for Tim Scott. 12% for Chris Christie. Let me just tell you, if you're getting fewer votes than Chris Christie, something's really wrong. And I, I think Scott's campaign is in trouble. Ron DeSantis, third place with 16%. Vivek Ramaswamy, coming in at number two with 24 and at the very top, 29,882 votes, Nikki Haley. My goodness. Can you believe it? That's the reality. It's not a pretty one, but that's the reality. Before we go, I want to tell you about a couple of 
developing stories on the entertainment front. You may have heard by now. After 118 days, the Actors Guild being out on strike, SAG and AFTRA, and the studios have reached a tentative deal on a new contract that could see Hollywood up and running within weeks. The strike is officially over. Officially over. So that is a piece of good news. Also, I have in front of me, I'm not sure how widely this has been reported, but I have made note of this because you will find this to be very interesting. Oh, I did not go into that either. There's so many things I didn't get to today. Um, I do want to... (laughs) I've got to share this post from Chris. I assume referring to Nikki Haley, the last thing we need is a hot, heated woman president. Ooh. I don't think he's a fan of Nikki Haley. That's what it sounds like here. I do want to tell you about a very important development in the entertainment world as well. We mentioned the end of a strike. We also learned yesterday Disney is going to combine Disney Plus and Hulu into one streaming service with a unified app to be available in a beta capacity next month. So this is good news. I don't know about you, but it gets tiresome. I mean, fortunately, I have a device that has all of these apps available on it, but it can be tiresome to go back and forth. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, it's Disney and Hulu are going to be one. So a little marriage there, and I think that's going to make the entertainment life for us a little bit easier. So any case, can you believe we're out of time already? I so thank you for joining me today on the broadcast. Have yourselves a great day, and we'll catch up with you very soon. God bless you.